Well, after our Christmas sermon series, I've taken a few Sundays for us to look at how we should respond to the good news, right? The, the good news that the Savior has been given, that God sent His Son to save us, to rescue us. Uh, so to those who have put their faith in Jesus, those who have, uh, have believed in Jesus, there are some logical responses, There are some logical ways that our lives should be marked because we are followers of Jesus. So uh, on the first, we looked at uh, the Romans 12 passage and us being a living sacrifice that we should daily uh, live our lives as a sacrifice to God, walking in obedience to God and having a transformation in us. Uh, And then last week, we looked at the mission that the church was given uh, from Jesus, uh, the, and we talked about that being a local mission and a global mission. Uh, and so this week we're going to continue on with this, uh, just kind of thinking through uh, as a follower of Christ, because Jesus has come and saved me, then what are some things that my life should look like? What are some commitments that I should be devoted to in my life? And we're going to look back at the early church in Acts uh, for this sermon. So uh, the sermon is titled, The Life of a Follower of Jesus. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read our passage and pray for us. Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, your word is good and true. We thank you, God, for its truth. We confess it as true, but we ask, Lord, that you will help us. Holy Spirit, shape us. Open our eyes. Open our our hearts and minds to the truth that we hear And give us a heart to respond in obedience to what we're being called to. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this passage in Acts 2, we're going to be thinking of this in in terms of commitments that we see in the early church, in in the, the followers of Jesus, things that they were committed to in their life. And the first thing we're going to see is this. Followers of Jesus are committed to growing in their faith with one another. Followers of Jesus are committed to growing in their faith with one another. And as we walk through this whole passage, each of our points, we're going to see that this is a, there's a togetherness in this. There's a, there's a unity in this. Every one of our points, we're going to see that they are committed to these together with the church, not as an individual. So followers of Jesus are committed to growing in their faith with one another. Now this text uh, immediately follows Pentecost. So Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit was given. 
Peter preaches, 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. Uh, and so these people had heard the gospel, they repented of their sins, they believed in Jesus. And so what does their life look like after that? And so this passage picks that up and we see some commitments that they made in their lives now as followers of Christ that I think are commitments that are still for us today. So verse 42 and 43 they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. The believers devoted themselves. Uh, the word there indicates a, a constant uh, this wasn't like a one-time thing or an occasional thing. Their life was devoted to these things, there was persistence in it. One of my commentaries says uh, it was obstinate persistence. I Meaning, this is the direction. This is this is what our life will be marked by, and there is nothing that's going to get us off this track. And so they would not change course. And in all of these that we see here in verse 42, they all tie into growing in our faith. They were committed to growing regularly in their faith. So how did they do that? We see four things that they're devoted to in verse 42. The first thing that we see that they were devoted to is they were devoted to learning from the apostles. They were constantly learning. One of their constants, one of their commitments was to never stop learning. They regularly gathered together with the purpose of growing and learning more and more. Being reminded again and again of their Savior. So a daily learning was part of their life. The second thing we see that they are devoted to is they are devoted to the fellowship the, the Greek word there is koinonia. Uh, it, it, we, we think of fellowship, we think of food, and, and there's some value to that, right? That we're going to have some, some fellowship tonight when we have our meal together. Uh, and we should enjoy those. But when the New Testament talks about fellowship, it was so much more than just like gathering together for a meal. It was this close, intimate bond of believers united together. Uh, committed together in the things that God was doing in them and through them. So they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to gathering together with the fellowship of believers. Next, we see they are devoted to the breaking of bread. Now here, the breaking of bread seems to be talking about communion. Uh, they were committed to regularly taking communion, regularly being reminded of their Savior who gave up His body for them, whose blood was shed for them for the forgiveness of their sins. So here, uh, it seems to be an indication that some t in some cases this was a daily reminder. Uh, later on in Acts, we see reference to it being a weekly reminder. The first day of the week, they gathered to break bread. And the early church knew no idea of, like, we shouldn't do this too often. 
uh, because it might not mean as much. The early church, when they took communion together, this was a regular thing that they did because they wanted to hear, they wanted to be reminded, this is what my Savior did for me. He gave up His body for me. He shed His blood so that my sins could be forgiven. And then fourth thing we see that they were devoted to, committed to, is they were devoted to prayer. They were completely dependent upon God, which in reality we all are. Sometimes we don't live that way, unfortunately. But they're completely dependent upon God and their prayer life demonstrated that that's how they were living. That as they gathered together, they would pray for God to work. They would pray for God to uh, work in them and work through them. So these are things that they were committed to. And then in verse 43, we see that the, in this, there was a sense of kind of just awe and wonder. All that God was doing. For the apostles, the, the apostles are performing many signs and miracles. God was working miraculously through them. And as the body of believers saw these confirmations from God, they were filled with awe. Look at the goodness of God. Look at how great our God is. The early church was committed to these things. They were devoted to these things. And it was all centered around continuing to grow in their faith. Living out their faith daily. And the challenge for us, and and really it's been a challenge for all believers, but I certainly feel like our culture today is a distracting culture. Uh, The way that we have formed our lives today, we have so many distractions, so many things that can take away our attention. And that, it doesn't change. It'd be great to know, like, well, maybe it's just for a season, and maybe I'll get out of that. But the reality is the distractions are always available. But as a follower of Christ, we are called to be devoted to these things, to be committed to regularly growing in our faith together. Not on our own. There is time for personal. We should have personal study time, personal growing time. But together, God formed this church together Uh, God formed us as different parts to where we come together and we function together. And He did that for a purpose so that we would all continue to grow and mature in our faith. Paul references that in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And He Himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. 
the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers were given to the church. And the purpose was to equip the church. And then as the, as the body is functioning together, as the body is together and fulfilling the roles that, that God has for them, there will be a growth, there will be a maturing that takes place in the body. Three different times this is referenced here. It's the, the purpose of this, of the togetherness of us growing in our faith is so that we will build up the body, so that we will grow into maturity, so that we will grow in every way. Maturity in our faith, growing in our faith is something that God desires for each one of us and desires for us as a church. The early church matured together. They grew in their faith together. So church, let's follow that model. Uh, let's be a people devoted to growing in our faith. Not one of us is where God wants us to be. Where, you know, whether you've been following Jesus for decades or maybe just a few months, not one of us is where God wants us to be at the end. And so let's be a people who are committed to regularly coming together and growing in our faith with one another. Let's keep learning. Let's keep gathering. Let's keep remembering our Savior together. And let's keep praying together for God to, to shape us in the people that He wants us to be and into the church that He wants us to be for His glory. So ways that we can commit to that is... Commit to coming when we gather together, if you're able. Commit to coming if you're able to come to our worship service. Commit to coming if you're able to come to our Sunday school, to our Wednesday nights. And it's not a matter of like, well, you've got to check off enough boxes to be okay with the Lord. I'm just saying, as followers of Christ who've been rescued by Jesus, our lives should be marked by commitment to learning and growing in our faith. And so let's do that together as God designed us to be. Let's be a people committed to growing in our faith. The second thing we see in Acts 2, second commitment is this. Followers of Jesus are committed to radical generosity towards one another. Followers of Jesus are committed to radical generosity towards one another. Let's look at verse 44 and 45. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. This section kind of really brings in the unity of the church uh, between the believers. They are so united to one another because of their faith in Christ, because of what Jesus has done for them, that they shared everything with one another. They held everything in common, is what this says. If I have something and my brother or sister needs it, it's theirs. Whatever they need, I'm gladly going to share it with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that comes clearly from a clear understanding that all we have is from God. And so if all we have is from God, then surely God would want us to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ if they need something. 
And so the, this is not communism. This is not some kind of form of socialism. This is not some kind of government enforced or church leader enforced where they, they took all personal property and you, you had no personal property anymore. That's not what this is. This is believers in Christ willingly, freely and gladly saying, I will gladly give of what I have if it can help my brothers and sisters. I will gladly let go of some things. And verse 45 even says that this isn't just a sharing. Uh, this is also willing to, to lose some of our own personal things. They willingly sold property and said, I will give this up if it will take care of my brother or sister. Whatever is needed for this body of believers. I'm so united to you. Think about how radical this is in our world, in our culture. I'm so united to you because of Jesus that I will give up things that I have. I will gladly let go of them to make sure that you're taken care of. That is radical generosity. And we do. I know I do. I think many of us do. Get a little uneasy with this, right? And there's different reasons for that. Uh, you know, maybe you've been taken advantage of. Uh, someone's told you there was a need and you, and you, you gave. Uh, and then you learn later on, like, oh, maybe that wasn't. So, so that makes us a little uneasy sometimes. And then there's also times where you just think, well, but I've worked hard for this, right? I, I'm the one that's been working hard. Or sometimes we think, well, maybe if they were just put up, they need a little bit more of the responsibility on this. We get uneasy thinking about this, but as followers of Christ, we should have this kind of generosity towards one another. Uh, when we see needs in our brothers' and sisters' lives, we should gladly say, I, I can let go of some of what I have if it will help out. John poses an important question for us to think about that, to challenge us uh, concerning generosity towards brothers and sisters in need. And so in 1 John 3, verse 16 through 18, we see this. This is how we, come to know, we have come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters if anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. John's thoughts take us back to what Christ did for us. So in thinking about generosity towards others in need, he's like, how do you know love? You know love because Jesus gave up everything for you. Jesus gave up his life for you. He laid down his life willingly to care for you and your need. And therefore, in response to that, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should be willing to lay down Parts of your life. You should be willing to give up some of what you have to care for others who are in need. And that question 
How could the love of God reside in you if you see brothers and sisters in Christ with needs and you don't have compassion on them? We should have radical generosity with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We should willingly let go of things in our lives if it will help care for our brothers and sisters in need. And there isn't, uh, there isn't an income level that this doesn't apply to. We make different amounts, right, in this room. Uh, there's not a certain amount that you have to make to be a generous person. Any follower of Christ can be generous with what they have. And one of the examples, and I'm sure I've probably shared with you before, but one of the, the most beautiful and clearest examples of that that I saw in a body of believers was in Honduras. On a mission trip, about a month after one of the hurricanes had hit the U.S. coast, and at the worship service, uh, the pastor uh, announced that the congregations in the kind of mountainous region where we were serving had collected funds for us to take back to help churches in need and help believers in need. Because they knew there's lives are devastated. Churches are destroyed. Churches can't take care of, of their people because of all the destruction that has happened. And they, they announced the amounts that the, that the congregations had collected. And from an American standpoint, from just number standpoint, you might think, well, what would that be able to do? It really was a small amount, but that gift was a tremendous gift. These individuals had almost nothing. And they heard that a brother and sister in Christ were in need. They heard of churches that were in need. And they said, we don't have much, but we'll let it go. We'll gladly let someone take this and use this. Let God bless this and use it for His good to care for other believers who need it. That's a radical generosity to give out of... I, I don't have anything really, but if, if this would help, you can have it. Church, let's pursue that kind of generosity with one another. Not a distorted thinking that's like, well, I can't have anything anymore. But also not the distorted thinking of, well, but I worked hard for this. This is mine. Let's pursue radical generosity that says, if my brothers and sisters are in need, I'll, I'll make sacrifices. I will gladly help out if I can. And so, for, you know, for me and probably for you, we need to be praying, God, God, give me that heart. That's not easy with our things, with our possessions. We often want to hold on tight to them. So ask God, let's work on us. Help us become this kind of generous people. Get to know the people here in this church. That's how you know the needs. Get to know our brothers and sisters here. And then when you hear of a need, if you're able, do so as a way to just say, God, use this for your glory, right? Let the leaders know, because sometimes the elders hear of needs that the, the church doesn't know or the people don't want the congregation as a whole to know. Let the elders know. If you're in a position to help, willing to help, let the elders know. I, if there's a need, please come to me. I might be able to help. I'd, I'd be willing to, to help if I can. Let's be radically generous towards one another. 
The third thing we see back in Acts is this. Followers of Jesus are committed to living in community with one another. Followers of Jesus are committed to living in community with one another. Acts 2, verse 46 and 47. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Again, we see the, the regularity of their devotion to, to coming together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. It says they daily went to the temple for those practices of, of learning from the apostles, of joining together with the fellowship of believers uh, and praying together. They, they were committed to those things on a daily basis. And then on top of that, not only were they gathering together at the temple, but it says they went to each other's homes. From home to home, uh, they broke bread. This reference seems to be talking about meals, possibly also including communion. But uh, the breaking of bread here is talking about enjoying meals together in each other's homes. Uh, They lived their lives Together, They ate meals together in their home. Uh, and it sounds like they were feasts of joy. I, I love that description. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Laughing, rejoicing together, praising God together. Look at what God has done for someone like me and someone like you. And they enjoyed life together. Brothers and sisters coming together and living in community together was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And in verse 47 it says, They praised God uh, and they continued to experience the favor of God. And they experienced the favor of all people. And in all of this, God continued to miraculously work to add to their numbers. Every single day, more and more people were coming to faith. In Christ. Now, I, I do want us to be careful. I don't want us to assume, assume, well, so if we become a people that checks off these three things, then dogwood's going to grow. Uh, that's how we'll get more people. Uh, we don't know what, what God's going to do as far as the, the numbers here at Dogwood, but we do know that this is a good thing to pursue, uh, that this is a, these are good things to pursue together. Right? Growing in our faith. Radical generosity. And life together, community together. These are good things to to pursue. And we know that God will bless them. And as far as the community aspect of it, it is good. Some of you have had those relationships. Some of you may still have those relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ that are such an encouragement, that are so life-giving, right? It is a wonderful blessing to, to have that as a part of our lives. David says in Psalm 30, 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Our faith was never meant to be alone. It was never meant to be on our own. 
We were meant to do this life together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, says this, It is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. Listen to that again. It's grace. This is a grace of God. Nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. And so, Dogwood, let's pursue that. Let's pursue community with one another. Let's pursue deep, growing relationships with one another this year. Not just with the people we already have relationships with. Don't give up on those, but let's get to know each other better this year and grow together this year. That's one of the things that Sarah Grace and I have committed to. Is like We want to have more people in our homes this year. We want to really pursue relationships this year. Because that's what God wants for the church. He wants us to be united together on the same purpose, growing together and enjoying the life that He's given us. Remembering our Savior that He's given us. And so, let's work towards that. I don't know what hospitality looks like for you in your life and in your season of life. I do know that in American culture, hospitality is really lacking. We're, we are not as good as people used to be about this, and as some cultures still are about this. But let's double down on that with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, maybe that's going out, taking someone out for a meal and encouraging them and praying for them. Maybe that's having people over to your home for that purpose. But let's pursue relationships and live in community with one another. Our Savior died for us. And God is working on us to shape us into the people that He desires us to be. Now, if you're here today and you have not trusted in Christ, that's the call for you today. Not, not to uh, follow a couple of things that you could add to your life, but what you need today is a Savior. And I'm here to say that the Savior's come. God sent His Son to save you from your sins and, and bring you into a relationship with Him. And so if you want to know more about what it uh, means to put your faith in Christ, that's what's most important for you if you haven't done that yet. Uh, we would love to be able to talk with you. You can fill out one of the yellow response cards and say you'd like to schedule a time to meet with the pastor. You can meet me after the service and just say, hey, can we schedule a time to talk? I would love to be able to do that. Now for us, church... As God is working in us, because He is, He's faithfully working in us always, let's be fully committed. Let's be fully committed to Him and pursuing the things that He desires for us. I don't want to be a half-hearted Christian. I don't. And I don't want our church to slip into those patterns. I want us to be fully devoted, fully devoted to our Savior, fully devoted to growing in our faith. I want my heart changed to where I will gladly take care of any need that brothers and sisters in Christ have. 
And I want to have deep and genuine, real relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Not surface level, because that's the easy part. Like real relationships where we're walking through life together. That's what I want for my life. And, and I want that for you too. I want that for our church. Because I think if we live this way, God will honor that. God will keep shaping us and changing us and He will use us in a beautiful and amazing ways. So let's pursue that this year as we pursue our Savior Jesus. Let's pray. God, You are good and faithful even when we are faithless at times. Thank You for not giving up on us. Keep shaping us. Keep using us for Your glory, God. Make us into the men, women, and children that You desire us to be and use us for Your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.